I'm Rachel, the creative director for Ram Dass's Love Serve Remember Foundation, and I'd like to welcome you to our Inner Academy, a virtual Dharma Hall where our family of wisdom teachers will help you navigate your daily life by bringing ancient wisdom into a modern context. With over 200 hours of audio and video teachings, meditations, and practices from teachers like Ram Dass, Krishna Dass, Sharon Salzberg, Jack Kornfield, Roshi Joan Halifax, Joseph Goldstein, and many more, the Inner Academy is your core resource for finding balance, presence, and navigating the ups and downs of your daily life. The Inner Academy has guidance for every step of your journey. Choose from an annual or monthly membership and gain access to past and future courses, retreat replays, virtual community, and much more. If you've been familiar with Love Server Member Foundation for a while, you'll know that most of our offerings are given freely or on a sliding scale basis. So when you subscribe to the Inner Academy, you're paying it forward and bolstering our ability to continue creating accessible offerings for all in the future, as Ramdas wished for us to do. Be here now and start your journey with Ramdas's Inner Academy today. For more, visit ramdas.org forward slash Inner Academy. Welcome to Lama Suryadas's Awakening Now podcast. We are very pleased to share with you Lama's unique illumination of the awakened awareness teachings. If you are interested in supporting Lama Suryadas's podcast, please go to beherenownetwork.com/suryadas. practice is what I want to emphasize, the so-called naked awareness or silent meditation to non-meditation practice that I'm teaching, that I'm instructing, that I want you to learn and be able to carry home, that can enhance any practice that you do. This Dzogchen trek should being through or seeing through, cutting through, being through trek should, which we're practicing in the form of learning, practicing in the form of sky gazing, not sky watching, not sky studying, not sky spacing out, but sky meaning infinite space, spaciousness as a metaphor for openness and awareness, not closing our eyes and looking in for anything, not looking out, peering around, searching for anything, not analyzing and naming the clouds or the accoutrements of the chapel or the front of the room or whatever, if we're outside, not the clouds, the birds, the planes, or whatever goes by. Just gazing. That's why I chose this word. In Tibetan, it's Namkai Naljor, sky, space, union, yoga. Namkai Naljor, sky, space, union, yoga, not sky, watching. Openness and awareness, eyes open. Have we gone over this? Ears open, nose open, mouth open, throat open, chest, anus, diaphragm, posture, breath, everything open, especially mind and heart open, inclusive, not narrowing it down, like in some practices in shine and shamatha, in concentration and tranquility meditation, where you've narrowed down to focusing one-pointedly on a candle flame or the tip of the vajra or a or your breath, not just trying to calm and clear the mind with concentration, but this is more panoramic awareness, to use Trungpa's translation. Panoramic awareness, higher seeing. 
panoramic awareness practice, aware of whatever arises in the field, not narrowing it down to one pointed concentration on an object of attention, like a candle flame, or the breath, or a mantra. But panoramic awareness, open, luminous, like a snow globe, a dharmakaya awareness, the big tiggly, the great sphere, the big round, the ultimate sphere, all-inclusive, the bigger frame that includes everything, sights, sounds, tastes, smells, touch, thoughts, all the objects of the six senses in this incandescent presence, in this lucid awareness practice. Even if we have no thoughts, still aware of the state of no thought, that's the difference between awareness and thinking. You can be aware of thinking, you can be aware of not thinking. So, even if we're asleep or in a coma or in a thought-free samadhi state of meditative absorption, <coughs> awareness could still be there. As in dream, lucid dreaming, we could know we're dreaming. That's awareness of dream, not just being lost in the dream and at the effect of whatever's happening. So that's the kind of way, a metaphor for awakening in daily life seeing through the Halloween costumes, enjoying the floats that go by on the Easter parade, not just the beautiful floats, the Hawaiian floats, but the, also the, the scary uh, World War II battles floats going by. That might be the best float of all, since it's just a float, nothing scary, nothing dangerous about it, just the dark, the dark side recognizing the light, even of shadows themselves. Shadows are nothing but light. There's no such thing as dark. Like there's no such thing as cold. There's only heat, movement of electrons, heat, and lack of. So seeing the shadow side also, the light in the shadows, not waiting until it's just all light. With no contrast, there's nothing to perceive. That's why God created the world, because she likes a good story. God alone could be lonely with not, nothing to, no one to dance with. Are you with me? Non-duality, let's not be dualistic about non-duality. We have to white everything out and have nothing. That's nihilism. Not the great middle way that includes everything beyond extremes. The way of balance, of moderation of flow, of flexibility, great middle way, inclusive. So I got a note, it wasn't signed, saying, I love listening to you, I could listen to you all day. I mean, I like that part. <laughs> but what am I supposed to be doing during the meditation? I don't know what to do. That's why I'm going over this every day the instructions, and I'm boxing them and highlighting them with my yellow pen, as you notice. The instructions, first, the three naturals, just sitting, no special posture, just sitting, just breathing, no special breath, just breathing, and just being aware, no special visualization, mantra, thing to concentrate on, and so on. Natural body, natural breath, and natural heart-mind, that's the first triad or instruction. That's what you're supposed to do if doing is the word, to help us undo the habit of overdoing, more to the point. And second, awareness is the main thing. Natural mind sounds good, but what does that mean? What am I supposed to do when I'm sitting here and I'm thinking and I feel a pain in my back or knee or I'm wondering how long this is going to take? 
is the gong ever going to ring? Or whatever, whatever the popcorn machine of the mind throws up. <laughs> Just because it's popping, don't need you, mean need, you need to butter it. <laughs> That's the crucial difference. As I mentioned yesterday, that's the unique contribution of Buddhism today. We can have a perspective on what's happening and choose how, when, and if to respond. Just because it's popping don't mean we need to butter it, butter it up, and salt it, etc. So awareness of thoughts, sounds, sights. So that's the active component of the meditation, not just trying not to think or blot out or white out. You know, there are pills and bottles of drink for that. That's not what we're recommending here. So first the three naturals, because in fact, just sitting, natural body is Buddha body, tulku, nirmanakaya, perfect embodiment, God's temple. What word can we use? And just breathing, natural energy is Pure energy is flow, is the great Tao, is Buddha's breath and energy, is Shakti. What word can we, it's a divine wind. What word should we use? Our concepts and language is so limited. This is so deep and profound, what we're talking about. And third, natural heart-mind, just awareing, just aware. Natural heart-mind is Buddha's heart-mind, Dharmakaya, as it is the natural state, the way it is, the mode of being, the Dharmakaya. Rikpa, pure presence, as Namkai Nopa Rinpoche translates it, pure presence with a capital P. Not me, just pure presence, no other presence, no subject, object, and interaction. That's the dance of karma and reactivity. Just presence, including everything. Just hearing, just seeing, no one looking for something. That's the dance of karma and conditioning. So natural body, breath, and energy is the first instruction. And I already said a lot there. There's a lot more there than just three words. And yet there's more. We've been instructed also with the gazing, eyes open and ears open and mouth. There's a lot of parts to keep open, which naturally close, including the anus, deconstricting your tight apertures, of all kinds and relaxing and at ease yet dynamically present. That's the small print at the bottom. Don't overlook that. Relaxed, at ease, yet dynamically present. Attentive, attention is the essence. Awareness is the higher power in Buddhism. The inner power, the deepest power. It's all about awareness with a capital A plus. Eyes are everything open. Sky gazing, space mingling, so seeing through, seeing through impermanent, ownerless, selfless phenomena, not giving in to attraction, I want, and aversion. The two Buddhist poisons based on the illusion of separateness, ignorance, the third poison. All this is rooted in the traditional Buddhist teachings. As I said yesterday, we're just not going through all the four truths, the Eightfold Path, the Ten Paramitas, the Seven Factors of Enlightenment, what else? Buddha was an accountant. He had lots of lists. What else? Maybe it was my father who was an accountant. I get confused. The 37 wings of practices of the bodhisattvas, the 52 state mind states in the Abhidharma, Buddhist psychology, 
And the 84,000 dharma is actually taught by Buddha, not going through all that. And the three yanas, the nine yanas, the six tantra levels, not going through all that. Hinayana, Mahayana, Vajrayana, not going through all that. We're focusing on this swooping down, this direct access, enlightenment now, awakening now, practice of Dzogchen, the innate great perfection. Of course, it's based in all that. Mahayana attitude, transformation, and compassion and action, the bodhicitta, the bodhisattva vows, Vajrayana transformation and transmutation of the base metal of our animal nature into the gold of Buddha nature, and so on, in the crucible of Tantra, Vajrayana. We're not going through all of those. This is direct access by itself arising, by itself liberating, we say in, Tib in Tibetan Rangsha Rangro, in the Dzogchen tradition watching everything arise and liberate itself. We don't have to purify it away or transform it even. If we let it go, come and go, let it be. So sky gazing and pithy instructions like just looking, seeing, and freeing, three steps to the inherent freedom of being. These are the instructions how to proceed. If we feel a pain, if we have a thought, just looking and noticing it, recognizing it second, and allowing it. Thoughts come and thoughts go, like popcorn. Popcorn pops up and it pops down and it falls down. Even better, like the snow globe. When you stop shaking the snow globe, all the flakes, and I think you know who we're talking about, all the flakes fall to the bottom and the clarity emerges as if from within. That's our meditation practice. In the bigger picture, not getting overly excited about whatever the local weather is today, this moment in our mind external weather or internal emotional weather and thoughts and well, still the internal weather is still external to our luminous awareness core, if you insist. The groundless ground of being, the bigger picture, the heart of the matter, the center that we can find refuge and reliance and solace in the heart cave, which is not tiny, which is actually the totality. And more broadly than just looking, seeing, freeing, is experiencing all the senses, not just with the eyes, experiencing, recognizing, or penetrating, and third, releasing, allowing. Open to the wisdom of allowing, not just being a control freak. So these are a few of the basic instructions, and we could go further, and we will with little, uh, every day. But to keep it simple, so we remember what we're doing, that's pretty much it. Of course, we could talk about casting the eyes into the sky and casting the thoughts and arisings off into the mind and casting or dropping everything into the secret space, the inner sky of just being. We'll get to that another day. So in the guided meditation, I also comes back to me now, I was also mentioning, preparing you to hear more in detail about how the practice Dzogchen. So let's call these instructions about the view, meditation, and action. So view or outlook while we're meditating, like the sky, not looking here or there, or in or out, or in between, not searching, not seeking, not trying to learn, not, not gathering, not accumulating, not note-taking, just being just awareing, just enjoying the view, the only show in town, the best show in town, as it is this right now, this moment, this appearance, this arising, this thought, this feeling. 
before concepts and labels, reify it as something and tell a story about it that's later. Before contact leads to feeling and the whole 12 interdependent links of becoming in Praticca Samutpada if you study Buddhism. Just being in the first moment, just contact arising, liberating itself before you start to reify it, tell the whole story about it in your head, to put it in English, before you make something out of it. Because it's not what happens, but what we make of it that makes all the difference. It's not what happens to us, but what we make of it determines our character, our experience, our karma, our destiny. This is the secret of Rang Wang, autonomy within interdependence, Rang Wang, self-freedom or self-mastery, Rang Wang. Being master rather than victim of conditions and circumstances. So if you like the sky open without corners or center or periphery, with beyond size, just vast, open, luminous, really like space, bigger than the blue sky, just space, spacious, root with room for everything, unchanging, deathless. Buddha said all composite phenomena are impermanent. He didn't say all things are impermanent. And he cited space as one of the things that was not impermanent. He also mentioned nirvana, deathless nirvana, not impermanent. So view or outlook like the sky. Remember, we're talking about our meditation instructions, so the metaphors, eyes open, sky-like, spacious, you with me? Open like the sky, big frame, wide angle, what should we call it? Inclusive, non-exclusive, inclusive, embrace it, holistic, total, and meditation, non-meditation, just like the mountain, unshakable, imperturbable, no matter what falls on it or grows on it. It ain't going nowhere. Unchanged, grounded. Thich Nhat Hanh even dares to say solid. Not a Buddhist word, really, but he's free. Solid. I like that. That too like a mountain, sitting, meditation, not just sitting, like a mountain, unmeditation, like a mountain, imperturbable, whatever occurs. From view, meditation, and the action, spontaneous flow as needed and wanted, not compulsive, conditioned reactivity, but spontaneous. If there are wind, there are waves in the ocean. No wind, no waves. If the seismic plates move, there are waves. No conditions for make waves. The ocean doesn't get bored and say, we better start waving today. It's getting boring here in the South Pacific. You with me? Action beyond action and inaction. Not trying to do as much as possible. Not trying to do as little as possible. Not trying to do nothing. That's just one more self-improvement project or ego stratagem. When there's things to do, just doing them, one with the, that. One with our karma, our, making our karma our dharma, not feeling afflicted by it. Remember the glorious Naradakaya. There's a Zen story to ground us in understandability, sort of. Someone asked the old master, this is a true story of ancient Japan or China, a real Zen master, enlightened master, 
master, does, is the Zen master, meaning, you know, is the living Buddha, is the enlightened sage, free of karma, purified of all their karma, beyond karma, or what? This is a good question. People, you know, we ask it ourselves in many ways, right? The guy over there, I won't mention his name to protect the guilty, he said, after enlightenment, then what? Like, what do you do? So is the master, after enlightenment, to put it in your Stuart words, beyond karma, free of karma, has no karma, purified all karma? And the answer has come down to the centuries like the lion's roar, one with karma. That's mastery. There's no master. There's just karma. We are the ones that are afflicted. No me, no problem. That was the understandable version. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm teaching at a high angle this week. I got to know why I'm excited. Principles of Dzogchen, unlike in the general teachings about effort, patience, loving kindness, compassion, joy, and equanimity, empathy, forgiveness, what else? Purification, concentration, leading to insight, leading to stages of enlightenment gradually, etc. You know, the 10 stages leading up to Buddhahood and so on, lots of things you could talk about and meditative contemplative practices like concentration and visualization and um, chakras and channels and energy yoga and longer and accumulating numbers of prayers, mantras, offerings, etc. Good karma. Principles of Dzogchen are more in the line of openness. In other words, not narrowing it down to one point, like in concentration, or limiting what we experience, like the monastic way, which is a great vocation, but not for many, not for most people. So not limiting ourselves and keeping away from all kinds of things. So openness, inclusiveness, principles of Dzogchen meditation, inclusiveness, openness, naturalness, flow, spontaneity, of course, awareness, but also perspicacity, like sharpness, discrimination, insightfulness, clarity, letting go, letting, allowing, not just getting rid of, like a bunker nun gets rid of all worldly things. Remember, the masters won with their karma. They're not afflicted. They're not burdened by things because they're not carrying them. There's just things, including the, the body and life. Relaxation, naturalness and ordinariness is the way, and so forth. So these are some of the principles of Dzogchen meditation, as you can see, which is not how we ordinarily look at the spiritual life, whether it's fire and brimstone and purification and penance and atonement kind of spiritual light, you know, t level of teachings, 
or it's purification, transformation, self-growth, gradual improvement and um, incremental development, progress, path. This is a little different. This is the natural great perfection, the innate great perfection relating to our Buddhaness, to the sun in our heart, not to the, obscure, the temporary obscurations momentarily of covering it. Thus, my own root guru, Kalu Rinpoche, who spent 22 years in a cave above the snow line in Tibet and was the Milarep of his generation, as everybody would say, and the Dalai Lama's Tibetan yoga teacher, the late great Kalu Rinpoche, he always used to quote the Havadra Tantra saying, we're all Buddhas by nature. It's only momentary obscurations which veil that fact. That's a different perspective than infinite lifetimes schlepping to enlightenment, purifying our 84,000 kalashas with the 84,000 dharmas sort of one by one. Marvelous as that would be, may it be so. So I've been praying these days, may the dharma spread widely, the liberating dharma spread widely, but not too thin. Any questions or sharing, please? If the sharing keep it short, I'm uh, more interested in the questions so everybody can get a chance. Hi, hey, Lama. Nice to see you again. Likewise. Um, so, in my practice over the last year, I found that the whole um, kind of watching thoughts pass by, yeah, clouds in the sky type of thing, it's more, I like, I'm snatching the clouds out of mm -hmm. the sky, which is not really allowing. Which is hard to do also. It takes a lot of energy to snatch it the is. clouds out of the sky. I know. Good, how are you doing with that? It's, Have you got them all yet? No, definitely not. <laughs> Um, Where do you put them all? I don't know. I okay, just snatch them and then I drop them. And, That's and then good. That's so, one. snatching and dropping is good. See how it works? You can snatch all you want, but don't be disappointed that you can't ca catch them all in your, I don't know, you know. Well, the point is vault. not to, to catch them, though, right? Well, you can't catch them, so I know. grab all you can and see what happens. You're a young man, you should. Should I be trying to grab them? Yeah. Oh, should, I should. No, you should. Oh, okay. I thought see, I wasn't. Well, because I was trying. I'm to... mainly talking to the old people here. You, you should grab all you can and put it in your vault and see where you know if it stays there or what happens to these clouds. Uh -huh. And then you'll know for yourself when you get tired that you don't have to keep persevering in, in the grabbing, catching, and storing. Okay. Cool. Thank you. Of these clouds of these ephemeral, ephemeral things. That's why, you know, we can talk, hold, let go, let go, let go until the cows come home. But, you know, if, if, if you ask letting go is too hard, I can't let go, then I might say, well, hold on as long as you can, see what happens. <laughs> and then you learn the lesson the hard way. Of course, a lot of the things, the images I'm putting forth are just metaphors, you know. But 
you're a smart guy, you understand what's going on. And it's not about not reaching or grabbing or developing or aspiring or creating anything. It's not that. That's, the, that's erring on the side of inaction, trying to do nothing. That would be nihilisms if nothing matters. I, I believe you're a sound engineer, a musician type of guy. So, you know, creativity is like visualization. It's a magic, wonderful uh, thing. But don't, you know, don't overinvest in the outcome of this magical, wonderful thing, whatever it is. So visualization practices too, which Tibetan Buddhism has uh, quite a bit. Every visualization, you build up the visualization of the sacred world, and you know, and you, you're, you're the like central Buddha or goddess or guardian or dakini, let's say Buddha in it. But then the, the, the second part of that is you're dissolving it back to where it came from. So you're more familiar with the whole process of creating and dissolving that we're really doing all the time in our life. We just forget that we're visualizing, we're imagining. We're imagining how it's going to be with, I don't know, that girl that's sitting in front of you that you haven't talked to yet. But if the silence is over, you will, you know? Unless she leaves before then, but you don't know about that. So you've already had a lot of plans for her. <laughs> no doubt. That's called visualization, creative imagination. But so we practiced uh, K-Rim, generating phase, creative, and Zorim, dissolving. And then back to where it all comes from, just openness and awareness, so-called emptiness, which is the fertile void where it all comes from. The womb, the fertile womb of emptiness, not the vacuum chamber of nothingness and nihilism. So I hope that's a little bit helpful. We're playing around and I like you. I'm glad to see you and your, your father, your Dharma brother next to you. And I know you came a long way, so nice to see you guys. And just keep up the practice. It's a great thing what, you what you're saying. A Zen master, and if you study Zen Buddhism at all, I mean, if you even just read it, if you, if you even just open a book in a bookstore, wherever your books are today, uh, <laughs> um, you, you see Zen tradition has a lot to do with the creative arts. So a, 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 a genuine Zen master who was also known as a poet was asked, Master, why are you always writing these poets and poetry, you know, aren't poetry or macchio, illusion, fantasy? And he says, of course, poetry is illusion, is fantasy. Long live illusion. <laughs> yes, in the back row. Hello, how are you doing? Hi, how are you? I'm good. Um, my question, I guess, is when I go out, and I'm like looking in nature and I'm trying not to conceptualize things. That's when I seem to conceptualize the most. So how do I get past that? Uh, it's very hard not to conceptualize things. Um, is this something that you're only experiencing here or, you know, in your daily life or? Just in daily life when trying to be mindful and not like overthink things. Right, well overthinking and conceptualizing might overlap but not be totally synonymous. You know, like there's thinking and there's overthinking. I guess labeling things when just trying to right. observe them. Yeah, 
So are you a, a regular practitioner or meditator of some kind, since you mentioned mindfulness and, you know, you do this in your life? Yeah. I'm a meditator, but I haven't, like, specifically picked a path. Yeah, but you're a meditator. So I put, some people find nature is a, is a, you know, natural, I hate to use the word meditation, but non-meditation, like a, it's a way where they can be at ease or at one or flow or something more than in their, I don't know, life or family, you know, kitchen, kitchen table level of interaction or whatever. But that's just, you know, some people. So maybe nature is not it for you. But I'm really curious, like, why you feel when you go out, into, you know, you're conceptualizing more uh, than when you're in. What do you mean, when you're in meditation, or you just means when you're in, like not in nature? Could you clarify that for me? Well, when I go outside or when I'm not in meditation or reading something talking about not conceptualizing or not labeling and it's just illusion or whatever, then I go out and I try to like bring that to mind and then that... Yeah, I see. I think that you sound like a little bit intellectual and studious, so in one way it's good to study these things and understand the distinctions made in the teachings in the texts and you know in people's experiential stories about what is uh, appropriate and what's too much like thinking and overthinking so well now i overthink on how not to overthink. i know that that's see that's <laughs> overthinking so I've hinted at, I've mentioned, I'm glad you brought this up, you know, let's not be dualistic about dualism or about non-dualism, like we should be non-dualistic and not have dualistic or like discriminating thoughts. When you go out, you probably should think about where to walk and not to walk. That's a dualistic discriminating thought. And like, where's the cliff, you know, to stand on and look at the beautiful flowing river and bear mountain and where's the cliff to not step on and fall into your death and the railroad tracks below the cliff. These are, you know, this is the purpose of thinking, of discrimination, of a rational analysis, you know, which m people who have madness, psychosis, may not have. So you don't want to veer, you know, fall off the cliff of not thinking, and you don't want to fall off the other cliff, sort of get, you know, next to the hard place, the sheer cliff, where you can't move, of like overthinking, like trying not to think, which is just more thinking. So I, want, I would like you, and I know I'm starting to sound like a broken record, I hope, is come back to the instructions, which is not about trying not to conceptualize. It's about sky gazing and breathing and opening and aware of whatever comes up, including thoughts, and not reifying them, not telling stories, not getting into the conceptualizing about you know, oh, I'm thinking more now and I was thinking less before. These are all uh, chains of conceptual thinking that tie us up. A thought is not a chain of thinking that ties us up. A thought is just a thought, like a bead is just a bead. If you have a string, if you string them together with your concepts, with your crazy glue of your own, you know, reification, then you can get hung up on it. Otherwise, it's just bead, bead, bead every moment. So thought, hear, see, thought. That's how 
awareness functions. And thinking about it, reifying it, making it into a story is where you get hung up, a chain of discursive thinking. So I'd be careful about staying with some practice, whatever you know, you're doing, and the instructions, and not remembering that you heard somewhere, trying not to think or conceptualize or whatever you said, everything is illusion. No one says that here, everything is illusion. I was just telling a story. Buddhism says it's like a dream and like an illusion. It's not that it is an illusion. There's illusions, there's dreams, there's mirages, there's phantasmagoria, there's hallucinations, there's valid perceptions. Are you with me? Yes. These are things to understand if you study these things. If you're an intellectual, you learn these things. But when you're practicing, you don't need to think about all that. It, but understand, everything is an illusion, is an oversimplification, and it's not Buddhist philosophy. Okay, thank you. And I think uh, now that you've passed the mic, now, you know, I'm also going to pass my mic, so I'm off. We're off the clock, so I want to share with you a personal that um, I think you should join Thinkaholics Anonymous. <laughs> I'm the founder of this 12-step program because I understood. Anybody here familiar with step one of the 12-step program? I know some of you are. You don't have to say because you're anonymous. Oh, he put up his hand. I realized that I was powerless over my thoughts and I had to rely on a higher power to return to freedom and sanity. Isn't that the first step? Just putting in thought instead of some other substance that we abuse? Yeah, I don't know. I'm not yeah, free-willing here. Thought is a substance and we're addicted to it, but thought's a good tool, but a poor master. We're too under its power. So I admit that I'm powerless over my thoughts. I mean, are you in control of your thoughts? Are you producing your thoughts? Or for that matter, feelings and sensations? Not really. I mean, we could talk, look into who is you and all that. We're not talking about that right now. So, like they say, I'm powerless over the drug or the drink, and therefore I have to resort to a higher power. So, powerless over the thoughts, have to resort to a higher power, deeper power like awareness in our case, to return to freedom and sanity. Return to. Not, you know, a million miles from now, get it from some uh, um, messiah. I hope you're with me. Yes, thank you. You're welcome. So don't be, you know, thinkaholic is, is a tough situation. It's hard for anybody to intervene, especially since it's one of the prevailing situation, you know, um, substances in our, cult, in our modern world. Not everybody has this problem, by the way. There are people in the undeveloped world that aren't brought up to think every day and highly educated, and they have other issues. But thinking too much ain't one of them. So if you get a perspective on this, you can start to see, oh, it's actually, hmm. Really, it's not normal to have two or three drinks every night at dinner. Maybe, maybe this culture has a problem. Oh, it's not normal to have to think about every single thing and feeling that we have. And not only that, go to therapy five times a week to talk about it for 25 years. Am I exaggerating? Some people do that. I mean, we can choose whether it's normal for us or not, you know, what's normal, but we could choose. And there are other ways of knowing, like intuiting, not analytical thinking, you know, use the right side of our brain to grok it all at once, to intuit, to see the picture. 
not just to connect the dots gradually one by one as in analytical, linear, rational thought. So I hope we're communicating, young man. It's nice to talk to you. Thank you again. A few more questions. We're getting toward the end of our period here. Good, everything's clear, wonderful. <laughs> this is a joyous dharma of awakening. Let's not give in to oversimplistic, you know, formulas and patches like I mentioned. You could go around the Western Buddhist world today and hear like a catechism, everything is impermanent. Buddha never said that. Buddha said all conditioned things are impermanent. All that's put together falls apart. And he gave some other examples, like I mentioned. His two were space, not impermanent, because not put together, conditioned, and nirvana, or nirvana consciousness, if you insist. And letting go, you'll hear that a lot too, but letting go starts to tend in the direction of getting rid of. Letting go really means letting come and go, letting be. Acceptance, equanimity, letting be. This is a profound, subtle, but profound difference. And like a dream, like a mirage, like a fantasy, it doesn't mean it is. In the world that we live in, we have to uh, do our best and, and take care of business meticulously, as Marvin was saying, like finely refined flour not just big chunks of gravel kind of hit or miss with our actions, relations, and decisions. So in, in Dzogchen tradition, that saying Marvin was referring to is Padmasambhava said when he came to Tibet, though my view is higher than the sky about emptiness, oneness, non-duality, my action regarding karmic cause and effect is as meticulous as finely ground flour. So we say swooping down from above with the view, the bigger picture, all perfect as it is, while climbing up from below through relative practices, like trying to become better people and make a better world. While, not as opposed to. Thank you.